Hello and welcome to the Start Your Business podcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs who want to discover savvy insights from worldwide leaders in business. We ask them to impart their inspirational stories and advice on the subject of not only starting, but succeeding in business. Hi everyone, thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Sylvia Entwistle. I'm really excited today because in this episode, I chat to Brad Burton, the self-made business guru who is packing out seminar halls for his motivational speaking, managing one of the fastest growing business networks in the UK and writing best-selling books, starting with his first book, Get Off Your Ass. Now, he's about to release his third book, Life Business Just Got Easier. Yep. <laughs> it's great to have you with us, Brad. Um, I've seen you a couple of times at the business show, actually, from afar. Oh, you? Yeah, yes, yeah, start your business. We're always there. Bum, bum, bum. I remember seeing your book being sold there, actually, uh, Get Off Your Ass. Um, would you mind yeah. t- talking us a bit through that? Uh, where did the title come from? It's it's quite an unconventional name for a for a business guide. That was the intent. That was always the intent. And it's funny because people said to me, "Oh, you can't call a book get off your ass." And I said, "Why not?" Well, you've got to call it get off your bottom. Well, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's, that's true. That's, that's the advice that I got of people. Yeah. And actually, I, you know, I think what you'll find throughout this, I do things unconventionally, and that's you know not just to be. Um, controversial but because being different actually works in business yeah so obviously you're not the conventional business guru would no. you say <laughs> but I'm from it <laughs> i've also managed to um to sort of carve a niche out in a, in a well, quite a broad niche really there in actually um in, in just being myself you know i don't have a qualification to be named not one and yet you know i run a multi-million pound international business starting from 25 grand in personal debt you know and also three amazing books, motivational speak. No, do you know, but even for me, I'm sort of waiting for somebody to tap me on the shoulder and say, you've been found out. <laughs> do you think your image has had a lot to do with your popularity? I, um, the reason I wear this, this old girl, right, mm-hmm. is because first and foremost, people who are sort of employed or self-employed, should say, they say there's not enough hours in the day. There's enough, sorry, there is enough hours in the day. You've got to be brave enough to walk away from your computer when you can't be bothered. And when you're on fire, then you work. And, you know, this work-life balance thing is a myth. You know, yeah, well, you run your own business. So at 5.30, I close the laptop and we go and watch, watch Coronation Street. So it's a myth. What I found is there is enough hours in the day. You need to be brave enough to walk away from your computer. But also, think about this. In the olden days of me running my first business, you know, I used to have things like hair, right? <laughs> True. And um, used to have things like hair and um, uh, used to wear a suit and, and, and shirts and everything. And I remember going to Johnson's Dry Cleaners and um, put two shirts in there and tie uh, suits and whatever. And anyway, got them back. 37 quid. Wow. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, that's lots. I've been 37 pounds for something I don't want to do, but no way. It's causing me massive inconvenience every morning to get ready. So actually what happens is I save myself through this get up, jeans, t-shirt and trainers, and, and no hair products. <laughs> I'm going to save myself 10 minutes a day in the olden days. So if you top that out those 10 minutes a day, of, of, and plus going to um, the likes of Johnson's Dry Cleans, I will save, I reckon, realistically, uh, 48 hours a year being me. Right? Yeah. That, you know, if, if, if you used to think uh, 48 hours a year, two days two days a year to do whatever you want with, that's what this is all about. It's about 
business people, you know, you don't have to wear a suit to be credible. And I've proven that. I don't have to have a degree to be credible. I've proven that. And every time that people say, you can't do that, I say, why not? And every single time I prove these people wrong, every single time. Okay, well, what I, what I would admit is that when I first saw you, I found you quite intimidating. Do you, th do you ever get that from some of your clients? Um, you know something, I think uh, when I crack a joke when a speaker turn around and say, you know, um, I do have a shaved head, I am from Manchester, I do have tattoos, jeans and t-shirt, but I'm not a drug dealer um, anymore. But the reality <laughs> is that's part of it. Actually, when people actually recognise what I am, realistically, beyond this, the fact that I look like a football hooligan, never been to a football match in my life. But what I'm trying to say is... We do this in business, we get preconceptions about somebody's clout, somebody's influence based on the car they've got, based on the suit they're wearing, based on the way they look. You know, the biggest thing that people find about me is actually I've got a real heart. And this is what this book, this book, uh, Life Business Just Got Easier, is about. Mm. It's all about that heart that's within every person, within every business. So, yes, I accept my looks may well be intimidating, but, you know, the reality is I was blessed with these looks. There's nothing I can do about that. I think it, it's you've changed it. You've made it work for you and... Yeah, instead of just being intimidating, it's uh, memorable and uh, people will take notice. You're breaking a stereotype, taking off the tie and being like, just listen to what I'm saying. But I remember walking on the business show over in Excel and, you know, I'm the only one on the board of the speakers. And there's 250 speakers, the only one wearing a T-shirt. And I'll tell you something, I've just been booked by JCB, which is a $10 billion business, I think it is been booked by those guys um, to speak at their world headquarters. And the reason they saw me, sorry, the reason they booked me was because they went to the business show and this is the picture that they saw, this, okay? And this was the, they thought, what's that about? The guy who tried to get in there, head of sales for the UK, and it was five deep to come and see me, five deep outside, and he's going, this is crazy. So he left it, he came back the following year, and guess what, it was six deep. And as a result, he had to watch on the, sort of, um, the, the TV screen. I was booked as a result of that. You know, Wiley, the publishers of my, my latest book, yeah. that's a $2 billion business. So somewhere along the way, what I'm doing is working. And if, see, when I started my business off, and where everything that I've ever done, calling a book called Get Off Your Ass, wearing a T-shirt, people have said to me, you're crazy, you're mad. And actually, if it didn't work, they'd be correct. But if it works, that makes me a genius. <laughs> I'm honest. Leading the way. <laughs> well, uh, you describe yourself as a business guru, and obviously that's working wonders for you. But what do you think uh, qualifies you for this? You know, the, the, there's, a, there's a wonderful irony to this. I don't really believe that, right? I don't believe that. But there's several things going on here. You type guru into Twitter, mm -hmm. I come up number one, right? I don't believe I'm a guru. I'm playing up to it. So what happens is people, once again, will be talking about me. Who does he think he is? He's no guru. Oh, you know, but that's it. So what I'm doing is free marketing. Mm. If I'm walking on the business show looking like this, people say, who's the, the drug dealer? Oh, he's not a drug dealer. That's Brad Burton, right? If I'm, if I'm you know, everything that I do is, is about getting attention. So you think it's about provocation tactics? Totally. And you know what? It's free marketing. It costs me nothing to call myself guru rather than Brad Burton. Or business strategist. Nonsense. By calling myself guru, I wind up all those haters. Those people that can't stand me. Brilliant. They're <laughs> on there typing furiously with capital letters. This guy thinks he's a guru. Brilliant. They're talking about me. Yeah. See, those in life and in business, those that matter, matter. And those that don't, don't. So we had noticed um, the hashtag on your Twitter, the Bradism. Uh, talk me through that. How did that come about? 
once again, <clears throat> I'd say it was crazy, right? If you go to my Instagram page, mm. um, instagram.com forward slash Brad Burton, I was actually having a look through it the other day on my phone, and I've got to say, I've actually got some serious wisdom in there. I mean, genuinely, I'm thinking this guy's sharp. Because what you don't, but most people are sharp. Most people are intelligent. Most people are. But what most people don't do is they don't share the thoughts. Mm. They don't share those great ideas just in case. Or if it's not doesn't work and people won't like it, you know. And actually, what I do is I share everything about my life, good and bad, every element about me as a person, as an individual. But the brothers and things, it just it was based on somebody asked me what my religion was once, you know, because I've got a Buddhist way about me. Somebody said, right? You know, and actually, I thought, well, I'm not into religion, don't believe in God. Mm. But I thought, actually, I do believe in a religion. My own religion, which is that Bradism, help many, hurt few, live life. And that's my code. That's what I live to. I do my best to help many, hurt few, live life. And actually, it's, it's, it's a nice little ethos that it just wraps itself up. So help many, I get that. Hurt few, who's going to get hurt along the way, do you think? <clears throat> I think you've got a situation where you cannot go through life without hurting people, okay? And I mean that in the nicest possible way. I don't mean intimidation tactics. No. <laughs> but I mean, seriously, you know, you know as well as I do, you can be the best person. You could be Mahatma Gandhi, and someone would want to put a bullet in your head for your views on world peace. You know, you cannot go through life making a difference without upsetting people and hurting people, right? I don't go out of my way to cause anyone pain. Far from it. That's not what I'm about. But along the way, some people have been hurt as a result of my actions. Mm. You know, it's the same situation that in life. So there's no intent behind that. But I think what it's trying to say is, you know, you cannot go through life without hurting people because I've seen people try to do just that. And as a result, they're neutered in action. You know, if you're trying to live your life, if you're trying to make a difference, you are going to invariably upset someone along the way. And you can, you know, cry yourself to sleep over that. Or you can turn around and say, actually, the benefits, not from a business, but from a life or from a whatever, is a whole lot better than the, the, the negative elements of it. Yeah. So um, back to the Bradism thing, I think one of my favourites was, uh, if you've got nothing to say, shouting it won't make it better. Absolutely. Does that stem from any particular experience? Yeah, I've got, you know... If you go on the internet, now and it's not prevalent, but there's, there's certain quarters on the internet where people would be slagging me off. And, you know, these people that are slagging me off, they've actually got, there's no basis for it, okay? There's no, gen genuinely, I would tell you straight now, yeah, actually, I messed up there, I fucked up there, whatever. But I'm not with these people. People just decide that they want to get, you've done something wrong or whatever. And, you know, there'll be people in the own quarters of the internet turning around and saying, and this and that and the other. And actually, no matter how they type it with capital letters or they put it on Twitter, it makes no odds. They've got nothing positive to say. And that's the thing. You know, for all my way of physically looking so forth, I'm the, honestly, I'm such a pussycat. I roll over, I turn the other cheek every single time. But there comes a point when actually I will give people one more warning and say, if you go against me one more time, I will come after you. <laughs> you know, and I, I, I don't say you can be any fairer than that. And what I mean that, I don't mean, you know, like um, Liam Neeson putting a lot of guns in a, in a suitcase, that thing. But what yeah. I'm trying to say is, is firing back to them in the manner that I do. Okay, so um, if we go back a little bit, Back to the beginning story of how you how you built up your business. What what was the story before for networking? Okay, so back in two thousand and five, I told my employer to shove the job up their ass. Right. Okay. Right. So what's out of the job? Um, what What made you do that? What made you want to quit? Because 
I had I was living in Somerset. Yeah. I was living in Somerset in a two-bedroom terrace house, a bit like Coronation Street, right? <laughs> <coughs> but in Somerset. And I had my newborn boy, baby Ben, um, and I was away on business. I think it was on 33 grand a year, something like that, in London. And actually, I then had to drive my Enridge Vauxhall Omega to London Sunday night at 10 o'clock. They get there at one, digs up at six, work in London for three days, then go back to me digs. And I was living on um, Tesco's waffles and beans and um, pasta and sauce, typical sort of student fare. And I was about 32 years old at this stage. Yeah. And I worked out that actually, I could work there for a lifetime. And I've still never been able to afford the house or the life that I wanted. Mm. So I could work 80 hours, 100, 120 hour weeks. It would have made no difference. So I had a chat with the directors about, you know, pay rise and, well, inflation's 1.1%, so we'll give you 1.6. Well, that's great, brilliant. And then I worked out that actually, what we're taking into account my travel time and my cost for fuel, plus my digs, I would have been better flipping hamburgers on Western Supermare Seafront. Yeah. And it was almost then he didn't realise how formative it was. But you can actually think, you know what? Genuinely, what, what are you doing this for? To go and wear a suit and tie that you don't want in an office that you don't want to be in? Mm. And it was at that point, I went, you know, there was lots of other bits, but effectively, um, they asked me as a marketing guy to, to come up with a marketing plan. Came up with a marketing plan for them. And they, um, they said, dismissed it all. Oh, yeah, silly ideas. None of them will work. And I went, guys, what the fuck have you asked me to do this for? If you're just going to turn on and say it's not going to work, mm. I couldn't have done it any better. Or, and that was it. And I went, you know what? Sod this, but I'm off. What's crazy about that is my daft ideas that I gave them at the time are the same daft ideas that have managed to get me from 25 grand in personal debt to where I am today. That's amazing. So um, were there any obstacles along the way when you were building up for networking? You know... There's numerous times, and, and I'll just write them down, but I think the biggest one that any entrepreneur or business owner who's watching this will encounter, and they will encounter this, I don't care how confident they are, how jazz hands like me they are, self-doubt, self-doubt. That self-doubt is the difference between success and failure. This will play their biggest tricks on you along your journey. That you wake up one day, you can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it. I need to, I need to, and what happens is we end up getting the jobs paper every Thursday, Thursday night, and looking for jobs. Oh, 45k on target earnings, I'll take that. And every single time that you do that, it's pushing you further away from your goal. The biggest challenges that you have is going to be that self-doubt and your mind playing tricks on you. Mm -hmm. You know, if it was that good being employed, why did you start your own business? So do you think that's what feeds into people's lack of motivation, this self-doubt? Is there a sort of laziness there? No, no laziness. But, you know, bear in mind, I'm the same guy. My teacher said to me, my teacher said to me I'd never amount to anything. And up until about eight years ago, he was probably right. The reality is it's never too late to change direction. And there were your listeners now, who some of them will be sat there watching Jeremy Carl, um, you know, with a wet flannel on the head with a cup of tea, who was supposed to be self-employed. You know, and the reality is, is the reason you're doing that? It's not because you're lazy. It's because you're, you know, you, you you're lacking impetus or ideas. And and this is what I found. And you think about the same guy who's talking to you right now was the same guy who was doing just that, watching Jeremy Kyle with a cup of tea, supposedly self-employed. <laughs> and and then it's that you play, your brain plays tricks on you. So if you understand from a self-employment perspective that you ain't gonna starve to death, think about that. You're not going to starve to death. So on that basis, what's the risk? Well, the risk is I'll lose my house. 
Let me tell you something. There's a long way to go from the minute you get a letter from the bank saying you're going to have your house repossessed. Trust me. But it's about five months and six and three weeks. I got one. So I knew what I was doing. So if you go on the internet, you can find out the ways and the means that you can retain your house and they can't do anything. There's laws in place. And this is what you've got to do to run a business. You're going to have to use every single bit of resource that you have. Because what people do, people save stuff. Well, I'm going to save five grand. If I'm not going to be business together by then, I'm going to go... You know, you've got to use every bit of resource, and that includes every bit of morale, every bit, everything you've got, every single bit of resource, and that's what I've always done. I've sailed close to the wind. I've been on thin ice all my life. Okay. And the, the reason that I've managed to create so much, um, you know, footprint across the UK is because I've used every bit of resource, and that's the difference, is I don't have anything in, in the locker. I use it all, give it all. Okay, so uh, somebody who's starting their own business, say they've got all the confidence in the world... Yeah. And they're, they've got off their arse and they're about to do it. What three tips would you give to them from that point? Okay. All right. You're going to need three things to start a business off. Okay. A mobile phone, shoe leather and big balls. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to be a business success, you're going to need three things. An idea, vision and belief. Right. All of those things without an idea, vision and belief. You've got no chance. But what I'd say to you is the first thing you need to do is this. Always ask yourself a question, number one. Ask yourself this question. Is this the best use of my time? And if the answer is no, what, what, what should you be doing? And go and do it. The other thing I'd say to you is this. It's always a good one. It's a great tip, this one. And it's one that's a real staple behind everything that I've ever done to, to get attention. Write five letters a day. So five letters a day goes out every single day, religiously. And there's something cathartic about licking a stamp and putting it on an envelope and folding it up and, and then there's one and finding the addresses and then going to the post office. Because otherwise, it gives you the impetus to keep you going. Because otherwise, if you, you don't do that, you go, you sit there pressing F5, send, receive, send, receive, waiting for your proposals to come back. Mm. So five letters a day to your potential clients. And what I would say about that, it's a great tip, it's in the first book. Um is to do this rather than... Dear sir, we're a local-based printer. We've been established since 1983. What we do is this, this, and this. No one gives a shit. What you've got to do is be fundamentally different. This is another tip that I'd say. Be fundamentally different. I always ask this to, to businesses that I come across and I mentor for them. I say, how are you fundamentally different to your nearest competitor? Because if you can't give me a sensible answer, it's going to come down to price or personality every single time. Mm. So the letter, going back to the letter... Handwritten letters get five times more results from an envelope, always. So, you know, yeah, but I can't be bothered writing letters. My handwriting is rubbish. What I like to do, I like to print the labels out. Yeah, great. And I like a wife that when I press a button on my forehead, she brings me a cup of tea. Right? <laughs> the reality is, is, is handwriting envelopes. Get somebody who has got decent handwriting. And then what I want people to do is I want you to do it, aim for people within your locale, whatever your neighbourhood is, five mile, one mile, whatever. And you write a letter. Dear Steve... Hi, Steve, in, in handwriting. Dear Steve, I'm a local-based neighbor of yours. Uh, I'm running another business, printing business. I'd love to come and see you um, just for 10 minutes to say hello. Cheers, Brad. And then what you do is push it up into a ball and you put that into an envelope like that. Imagine if you received an envelope that was like that. You go, fuck's sake. <laughs> so like this. It arrives in the office. Open it up. What? And you're reading it, and then also not only you've got your words in there, but you've also got in red, red, red markings. The only thing I screw up is this piece of paper. And all of a sudden, but, but what I'm saying is in the office, somebody goes, oh, that's funny. John, look at this. This guy here. And then when people go to see them, 
Then what you should do is when you go to see someone, you get in on that basis, you ring them up. Go there for your 10 minutes, but take yourself some wagon wheels, some Kit Kats. So instead of the usual conversation when somebody comes to see you yeah. about an interview, oh, what's the traffic like? Well, you know what the A1's like? It's terrible down here in the back. It's terrible. Negative conversation. All of a sudden, oh, my God, pink wafers. Not had them for years. Boom, positive conversation. And this is So what... you think that works all the time then? If you yes. send out a handwritten letter, yes. but screw it up? Yes. Yeah. And what, and what about, what if somebody thinks, oh, this guy's a joker, he's not taking himself Guess what? seriously? If people think this guy's a joker, that's okay, right? Because it's not about them. Because I'll tell you something, how many times do you get letters with a little uh, business post? And how many times do you go like that in the bin, Sylvia? Every day, right? So it doesn't make no difference whether people think you're an idiot or not. Because I'll tell you something, the business benefits far outweigh any embarrassment. And this is what people have got to understand. When I first started networking, I had no reputation six years, seven years ago. I used to walk around the business show with a frigging pizza box. 12-inch pizza box, right? Domino's pizza box under my arm. So I'd have a suit and jeans on. I was pretty cool about the day, right? And I'd have a 12-inch pizza box. And I'd be walking around, lapping, as I call it, around the business show. Yeah. And people would go, who's the nutcase with the pizza box? And I'd go, I have no idea. <laughs> I'd go and find out. And all of a sudden, then people would say, who's the nutcase? And eventually, people would find out it's this guy who started up a networking group. Well, why is he carrying a pizza box? Because he used to deliver pizzas to keep his business afloat. Now... Once again, let me tell you something. The embarrassment of doing that initially was awful. Yeah. Absolutely awful, I, I promise you. But what it meant is I could go anywhere in the UK, go to a Domino's Pizza and say, hello, mate, can I have a couple of boxes, please? We're doing a project for my kids. Yeah, no problem. And it was a gimmick. It cost me nothing. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons that put me on the map, is because I was prepared to do the thing that no one else would that is stupid. And this is what I'm trying to say. I didn't have budgets. I didn't have vertical markets, I didn't have an office, I didn't have any of these things. All I had was this and that ability to say, look, how can I make the best of a shitty situation? And that's what I've always done. Okay, so you obviously run these fantastic four networking events. Mm -hmm. um, what's your guide to working a room for somebody who's new to it? Yeah, it's a really good one, that. Conventionally, what will happen is people will say, well, you need to make sure that you're looking for open twos or you know, all that nonsense. Be yourself, understand this, that every single person in networking was new once. Every single person was nervous once, including me. In the open networking bit of for networking, which is between like the first half hour, honestly, the truth is, I'm scared to death, right? True. So seven and a half years on, I am scared to death to walk into a room because the problem is for 30 years or whatever it is, 40 years now, years of catching up, um, you know, your parents tell you not to speak to uh, strange people. And then all of a sudden you're pushed into an environment where you've got no option. <laughs> so, you know, I think there's a concept here of work in a room. It's the wrong thing to go into. Just be yourself. Understand this. You are unlikely to come across someone and goes, you know what? Fucking hell, Brad. That's exactly what I need. A motivational speaker is a check for five grand. Doesn't happen. But what happens is you meet someone, you hit it off with them, you stay in connection via Twitter or whatever, and eventually, oh, I spoke to a mate of mine. That's the key to it. The, the concept of working rooms and, and networking the way that it's the olden days doing it, it's finished. You know, let me ask you this question. Genuine question. Would you pass a lead, a referral, a job, a contact to someone you don't like, someone you don't know, someone you don't trust yet. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> right, of course. So on that basis, the reason that people pass you leads, referrals, jobs and contacts is people like you, they know you, they trust you. Don't expect others to forgo the same checks that you're doing. Well, how long does it take for someone to like me, know me and trust me? I have no idea. But it takes time. 
And if you've not got time in networking, networking's not going to work for you. And that's what I'm trying to say. There's a fallacy here that you're going to go into a room, meet your ideal client, because you've got a great elevator pitch. What I do is I help companies. Nonsense. Mm. And this is what this is what for networking is about, and this is what I'm about as a guru, right? Is I'm, I'm going against. I can never pronounce the word, but I'll say it. I'll try it, right? The antithesis, right, of all this bullshit that has gone before in business networking into these certainty salesman people, and that will get me going. These certainty salesman people that you see at these shows, not the business show. That's one of the best shows, but no question. In fact, it's the best show. But they have these other ones where you know people are, uh, are being guided to the front of the queue. Uh, sorry, the front of the stage to, to get £3,000 off a 10 grand package and people giving credit cards over because people are selling certainty. There's no certainty, certainty in business. The only certainty in business, in my experience, um, is that it's going to take a long time and there's no shortcuts. See, I see people in business, you know, they think they've got, they come up to me with these ideas and yeah, yeah, Brad, I've got this one, it's a multi-million pound idea, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's easy making money on spreadsheets. I've done it loads of times. Spreadsheet millionaires, 6% increase there, 4%. Wow! But doing it in the real world, that's a different set of skills. So, oh, I'm fine now. <laughs> okay, well, um, let's talk about your new book, Life mm -hmm. Business Just Got Easier. What? How would you sum up the meaning of life? What's the Bradism point of view on life? Oh, good, good, good. You know, you got one life here, right? And, and, and what happens, I'll, I'll give you a, a story out of the book, exclusive. My um, wife, her granddad is 93. He was a dentist, worked all his life running this dental practice. Um, so he retired at 65, 70 or whatever. And uh, loads of money in the bank. Let's say for the sake of this conversation, half a million pounds in the bank. He, um, he scrimps and saves, and now he has five potatoes, five carrots, five pieces of meat. That's what he eats. Every, honestly, you go over there, it's funny. He's got, that's it, that's that's his life. And he lives really frugally in a, in a modest house and so forth. And when he dies, you know, then that's the reality for all of us. When he dies and when he goes, he's going to leave all his money to the grandkids that don't bother going to see him right now. And you think to yourself, and what are they going to do with that money? They're going to spend it on daft cars, daft televisions, holidays, granite kitchen surfaces. The same money that grandma's scrimped and saved all his life. What did I say when I started this conversation off, which was about using that resource that you've got? And that's what I'm trying to say. I'm not saying, guess what? If I had half a million pounds in the bank, I'm going to go buy a Lamborghini. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is you have one life. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Because if you're waiting for perfect conditions to spend your money, if you're waiting for perfect conditions to say to somebody, I love you, if you're waiting for perfect conditions to give your children a hug, you're going to be waiting a very long time. What are you waiting for? Do it now, today, today, today. That is the meaning of life. <laughs> I think that's pretty good. So um, would you say that your life and your business is easier now? Yeah, and you know why? Because... I'm prepared to go and go and walk the dog. I went to bed today. I was in bed at one o'clock. I tweeted a picture, right? At one, one or two o'clock in, in the afternoon. And people go, Will, that's not very professional. You know, you should work between nine and five. And as an MD, let me tell you what professional is. Professional means you invoice and get paid. Guess what? I invoice, I get paid. So these are the, this is what I'm trying to say. These haters on Twitter will be telling me that I've got my life wrong. So hang about, my life and my business is bigger and better than yours. Yeah, I've got it wrong. And because I wear a T-shirt and you wear a suit, somehow you've got it right. Really? Sounds like jealousy to me. <laughs> well, no, but I think it is. And I think, listen, this is the bit where I say, 
You know, I delivered pizzas eight years ago at 32 year old, right? That's not a good look for a bloke like me, right? A proud bloke who looks a bit tough, right? Delivering pizzas at 32. I felt like shit. But that's the difference. It's I've always been prepared in these recent years, these last eight years, to do whatever it takes to succeed, not succeed at any cost. And actually, well, the question is, this is another one from the book. Why are you doing it? It's a really good question for anyone who starts off here and anyone who's watching this. Why are you doing it? Because somewhere along the way, you start to forget why you're doing it. Because if you'd asked me eight years ago why I was doing it, I was doing it because I wanted to start my own business. And then I was doing it because I wanted an eight-bedroom mansion. I wanted an Olympic-sized swimming pool. I wanted an Apache gunship with Hellfire rockets, right? And actually, that's not true. The reality is, and this is what I'd love your readers to actually think, what are you doing it for? The reason I was doing it, actually, when I followed it down, was I was doing it for my kids to take them to Disney World. I promised my children, my boys at four and nine now, that I'd take them to Disney World. And every single time I ever had shit in the business or I struggled, and every single time it was too much for me, I thought about them. And this is what people need to do to keep yourself going, because if your only motivation is money, it's not enough. So you've got to have something, whether it's buying your mum private healthcare, which I've done, I'm delighted by that, right? Cost me a small fortune at a 65-year-old lady to pay private healthcare. But I know my mum's going to be looked after, the same lady who looked after me. You know, I didn't spend that money on granite kitchen services, spent it on private healthcare. And this is the, the point I'm making with, within the book, which is somewhere along the way, we start forgetting what we did this for. I was doing it for my children so that I could spend time with them and this, that, and the other. And then more often than not, I started mm. working more and more hours. And then I started forgetting about them. And I want your readers to think about this, which is on one side, imagine the two directions, right? Like a direction at north-south. On one side, you've got health and you've got your health relationships. And on the other side, you've got your wealth. Where would you like your boat going to? Because the problem is this, mm. you cannot send it to both of them. Not initially anyway. This is the point. So what happened with me is my boat went towards wealth at the expense of my health and my relationships. And I was, um, I had a nervous breakdown a year ago, right? Which I'm all right now. But there is a price to pay for business success. And this is my point. I call it success. You get to where you needed to be, but you're ill, which is what happened to me. I got to where I needed to be. So would you, would you recommend that then? No, 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 no. This is what the book's about. It's about people trying to avoid it and say, what is it that's so important about granite kitchen surfaces that you're going to go and give yourself a heart attack? Because this is what we do. We start seeing Lamborghini Aventadors. Oh, we see this. Oh, we see that. Oh, we see that. And we go, you know what? I'm going to go and get that. And I was that close. I swear, that close to losing my family. That close. But I've had a multi-million pound international business. How does that work? And the answer is it doesn't. But it is, but the old work-life balance thing that people talk about is a myth. It's an out-and-out -out myth. You know, laptop, 5.30, close, come on, dear, let's go out now. Bullshit. This is what the book's about, is turning around and saying, you know what, there is life-work balance, but you've got to be brave enough to find it, not have it pushed on you in the same manner that other people. If you've got childcare issues, you work it around that. And actually, this is what happens to me. 5.30, if I want to go play computer games right now, I'll go and do it. And actually, if I wake up or, or at half 11 and go, shit, I need to write something, I'll go and do it. And I don't have to apologise to anyone for that. As long as you score a goal, it doesn't make no difference how you do it. But what's happened in business is people have said, you have to wear a three-piece suit.
and you have to wear cufflinks and you have to be formal and you have to look people in the eye and shake like this. Mm -hmm. And what you need to do is lift your trousers up when you sit down. You know what? It's all bollocks. Concentrate on the stuff that works for you with your strategy and the way that you are as a person. Okay, so what would you say is the most rewarding? What's the highlight of your career so far? That's a great, you know the truth? The truth, absolute truth. Great question, by the way. Great question. Um, this book with Wiley Capstone, you know, as I said to you when I started this interview off, I'm waiting for somebody to find me out, tap me on the shoulder and say, you know what, Brad, <laughs> your time's up, you've been found out. But there's nothing to find out because I share with everyone the truth about what I am, who I am, what sort of person I am, what I stand for. And, and, and the Wiley Capstone thing was just mind-blowing vindication that actually, Brad, you're not as stick as you look, which is what I talk about. And actually, you do know what you're talking about. And actually, your message, this this whole vibe about a working-class lad whose dad was, you know, a heroin addict, brought up on council estates, no qualification, that didn't live well, if I'm really honest, you know, um, in the early years of my life. I got shot at when I was 21 years old. You know, I, by rights... On paper, my CV says this guy should be banged up or shouldn't be living this life that I am now, which is a benign, positive life, which is helping people. And to have, you know, Wiley Capstone approach me about that book, I'm, honestly, genuinely, genuinely, trust me, I'm so humble about it. I never anticipated any of this. You know, if all I ever achieved in life was this is it now for me, then, you know, I've done a whole lot more than anyone said. But that's what it says. That's what I'll say to your readers and your audience, which is, look, if I can do it, a thick bloke from Manchester who looks like a football hooligan, right? Mm. Who's soft as a pussycat. You know, I spent 10 minutes of the day taking flies out of my house and spiders and moths and stuff. We live in the farm, well, not farm, down in Somerset, <laughs> with moths, I think he was, I can't remember. But I spent 10 minutes taking these things out, putting them in cups and so forth. That's the kind of guy I am. And actually, I think that, that this book, my third book, I've moved away from the jazz hands. Hey, look at me, everyone. I'll get off your ass to actually a more considered man who's, you know, come through the scars of business and life and, and, and come out the other end to realise what really is important. And it's not granite kitchen surfaces. Where do you think you'll be in 10 years from now, if you could choose? You know, that's a great question again. You know, that Apache gunship that I wanted, I've got no hunger for it anymore. I, I, I don't ever think I'll be a philanthropist to that level, but I think I'm already living that. And I think based on what I'm seeing with granddad, 93-year-old and everything there, is that I, I put it this way, my last days of my life, there won't be any money in my bank account. So I'm going to live life and I'm going to continue to live my bradism of helping many, hurting few and living my life, however that, that pans out. But, you know, I'm committed to making a positive difference. It's almost like, you know, I've, I've started doing work in schools and also um, prisons now going into them and going, you know what? I don't give a shit what you've got in your life. It's never too late to change direction. And I'm living proof of that. That's very inspiring. I think our readers and our listeners, our viewers, will find this uh, incredibly enlightening, Brad, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, well, listen, I, th I don't think people expect, you know, you know don't, I don't think people expect this. And I, so from your perspective, you know, it's, people get me all wrong. You know, fundamentally, I'm a pussycat. But I love making a positive difference, and that's what has inspired me myself. Every single time I come up there and go, this is crazy. I've got people whooping in lives and saying, come up to me and telling me stuff about the life. What makes me a guru? Tell you what makes me a guru. I say I'm a guru. <laughs> that's the reality of it. If you, hadn't, if you hadn't done what you do today, if you hadn't become a motivational speaker and a guru, what do you think you would have done? Where would you be? I'd have been a bank robber. 
<laughs> exactly. No, but this is what I'm trying to say. This is we do things in our lives. We do things in our lives that are short-term gain. You know, people say you should live your life like it's your every day of your life like it's your last day. Well, that's great until you wake up tomorrow and you've spent all your mortgage money and your wife's tearful and you've managed to ruin your life. And what I say is live every day. Live every day. That's it. Just let, you know. So what would I be doing realistically? You know, when I first moved to Somerset, um, I was washing cars um, at Honda on the docks or just over the bridge on the M5. Um, and I worked in a computer game shop. I used to be a games reviewer, by the way. People may or may not know that. I used to be a games reviewer on, for the magazines when I was 20, 21 year old. And also, I'm on, I was on Games Master 28 times. So I'm on YouTube with hair at 21 oh, years old. We're going to have to track that down. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I, um, I, what would I be doing? I've no idea. I, I, I've no idea. This is what's crazy about life. You had a stab at being a comedian, didn't you? Or do you still do that? Yes. I forgot about that. That's potentially where I might end up. I actually feel, um, you know, I get a real buzz about being in front of audiences. And I'm actually quite funny, genuinely. Right? And I think what's happened is, is that, you know, for the last eight years, I've been speaking at my four networking events. So I'll speak there just for 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes. But what's allowed me is give me a bit of stage presence and the fear of, of big crowds, that's all gone. And over that 10 years is what I've done. I've honed these 10 minutes over and over again and actually got um, got jokes that are funny and, about my life. And, and, and so potentially comedy. And, and one of the things that I was thinking of doing, there's several things going on. Um, so I've got a T-shirt brand coming, which is called The Business, which is... So my business consultancy, when I mentor people and so forth, it goes through my company called Brad Burton Limited, but the brand's The Business, which is this, and it's on my car. So next step is merch. So merchandising. <laughs> Books, merch. Exactly, but the thing is potentially bringing that big production values to the whole motivation thing and actually it'd be great partnering with you guys doing that at excel or olympia and actually getting some big numbers there and actually getting but this this none of this run to the front and get your, you know credit card up none of that with no upsell there's an irony to that nobody is being sold anything guys apart from telling you the truth and bringing in the best speakers in the uk to go and do that because you know this is the thing your conventional business speakers great but actually, they've got nothing to say. And then you've got my guys, who I'm bringing through, my, my, who have got real-life experiences of, of what it's like to run a business, and bringing these to there so people can go, look, this is the reality of what you've got to look forward to as a business. Low sales, no sales, depression, and in my case, a windy wife. There's no book on that. There is now. Get off your ass. <laughs> Just as a closing question, I'd like to know what's on your iPod? at the moment <laughs> i'll tell you something what sort of music do you think i'm into oh I, I'm, I'm <laughs> okay my initial reaction is probably something heavy metal no 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 drum and bass drum and bass yeah i am um, big drum and bass fan that's fantastic well brad i can't thank you enough for your time uh, I'm sure everybody's really appreciated hearing your insights. I've enjoyed it. And uh, I hope to catch up with you soon and we'll see how the book goes. It's launching in September, right? September the 27th. Uh, two, two things here. Uh, one, this is my first Skype interview. Really enjoyed it. So thank you for that. And thank you for taking time out. And, um, and yeah, the book's on the 27th. Truth is, it's going to be number one for Christmas, non-fiction, WH Smith. You watch. You heard it here first. <laughs> number one. Christmas number one non-fiction. You watch it. I'll put money on it. High <laughs> <laughs> five. Take care, Brad. Cheers, honey. Lovely to speak to you. Thanks a lot. Bye bye.
podcast. The podcast. The podcast. The podcast.